0: Hello world, welcome to the Political Worldview Podcast, December 15th, 2016, the Referendum Rocks Rome edition. I'm Adam Quinn, Senior Lecturer in International Politics at the Political Science and International Studies Department of the University of Birmingham in England. This is a special mini-episode in which we're going to be talking about Italy, where a referendum on December the 4th on reform to government resulted in defeat for the Prime Minister Matteo Renzi and brought about his resignation. Badly-judged referendum topples a leader leader, populist forces seem to be celebrating. This all seems depressingly familiar, so we thought we should take some time to try and understand it. To help us do that, uh, we are lucky enough to have a first-time guest to the podcast, Daniele Albertazzi, uh, who is a senior lecturer in European politics and also a real live Italian. Thanks for being (laughs) with us, Daniele.
1: (laughs) Thanks for inviting me.
0: So, uh, Daniele, as I said in the, uh, in, the, in the intro, to the outside eye, uh, perhaps superficially, these facts look depressingly and distressingly familiar. Um, maybe you could give us, first of all, just a, an idiot's guide to what exactly <laughs> has happened here, and then we'll start to work out just how depressed or distressed we ought to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, well um, there are certainly similarities with, with uh, things that have happened also in this country as you pointed out. Um, the most obvious one is uh, a prime minister who's done uh, quite well uh, in, in a recent election. I mean obviously Cameron in, in the UK had just won elec- uh, won an election uh, when, when uh, the referendum on the EU was announced. Uh, Matteo Renzi in Italy had done very very well in a second order election the European elections of 2014 and and felt quite strong and, and uh, he, he's been in office since uh, early 2014. No actually a bit earlier than that uh, 2013 okay uh, the end of 2013 basically uh, the this referendum was uh, uh, about um, introducing a series of pretty complicated changes to the Italian Constitution. Uh, and uh, um, the, uh, wh- what has happened I- I- is that, uh, in part, some political parties, such as the ones that you've briefly mentioned, the populist uh, Five Star Movement, and also the uh, quite radical right-wing populist Nord, have used this opportunity to uh, uh, try and topple the Prime Minister Uh, But in part, uh, there was also a very large uh, coalition of uh, people, including many left-wingers, that uh, voted against these proposed changes because, for a number of complicated reasons, they judged that they were not going to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the the, the thing that uh, from my layman's acquaintance with some of the press coverage and some discussion of this I have definitely managed to get is that there is complexity here. It mm-hmm. seems like whatever was attempted was fairly intricate. Um, yes, very much so. If there is a simple way of doing it, could you tell me what exactly was it that, mm-hmm. that Matteo Renzi was asking the voters to approve? In the yeah,
1: thing? the... Two chambers in Italy have equal powers. And uh, I guess uh, more or less everybody agrees that this is a problem in the sense that it was introduced after the war and was one of the many checks and balances introduced after the war to create a properly functioning democratic country Mm -hmm. after the experience of fascism. Uh, But uh, um, a lot of people would agree that there is no need anymore and that the Senate could be changed and its functions could be changed. Perhaps in a chamber that keeps an eye on what the other chamber is doing and maybe intervenes in only in specific cases.
0: Maybe a, a uh, bit but more the like the was, House of Lords or something. Yes, like that.
1: yes. Or oh, indeed, uh, if you look at the German Bundesrat, uh, the problem is with how this was done, and particularly the fact that uh, in in Matteo proposals, the Senate would no longer be elected by people but uh, it will now be made up of regional councillors and mayors selected. Nobody really knows exactly how because uh, the, the specific rules were not written into the reform, but selected by probably uh, regional uh, councils. Um, so, first of all, the Senate will not be elected anymore. And second, the other problem with the reform is that it went uh, hand in hand with a change in the electoral law, which would have given uh, considerable powers to whoever ended up as the largest minority after an election. Mm. And Matteo
0: uh, Renzi presumably thought that that was most likely to be him, which is that why he was, was a, keen on this. there
1: was a hope, although uh, we have to keep in mind that um, if the yes uh, camp had won, uh, the populist five-star movement would have uh, plenty of reasons to celebrate because, in fact, it is very possible that the largest minority coming out of the next mm. election, whenever that will happen, will be the Five Star Movement. So yes, Matteo Renzi was hoping that his Democratic Party could be their party, but there is absolutely no guarantee of that. Mm. And, and I that link up with, 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 just very briefly, with the kind of final thought, which links up with what perhaps we'll say later, but the reason why there is no guarantee of that is that the reasons of the success of the five-star movement are very very deep-seated and frankly have nothing to do with this uh, referendum mm-hmm. um and they have a lot to do for instance with the state of the economy especially with very high youth unemployment all the things that you cannot change by making some changes to how the two chambers work mm-hmm. uh or, or by changing the electoral law so what i'm saying is um, It seems to me that Matteo Renzi has actually taken his eyes off the ball here. Uh, What he should have done is to focus much more on the economy, uh, which is what is is causing certain parties to do so well.
0: I mean, Matteo Renzi has not been in charge that long. When no. he came along, he had, uh, you know, he's pretty youthful and youthful looking. He had the aura of somebody who mm-hmm. was coming in as a popular new figure to stay around for a long time. But he hooked the fate of his uh, at least immediate career to the result of this referendum. He made it an issue where if, if, if the referendum went down, he said he would resign mm-hmm. from his post, as he has now done. Why did he decide to do that? Was it a, was it a David Cameron-type thing where he just didn't occur to him that it, was, that it was possible he would lose?
1: Well, there is a big difference, which is that Matteo Renzi had to call a referendum, because uh, unless you get a supermajority in Parliament, you cannot introduce a constitutional change mm. of this kind without the people approving of it. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why did he invest so much? Hmm. From the very beginning, he's making this constitutional change. And why
0: did he say he would resign if he lost? He could perfectly well have gone, well, we've lost, that's a shame. I I guess I'll have to get on with governing the country under the old rules.
1: Yeah, he tried to backtrack on this and tried to change the narrative later on. I mean, the last two or three months he said, yes, I made a big mistake in saying this. But it was too late. At that stage, he couldn't really do anything about it because everybody simply Mm -hmm. kept reminding him of his problems. And your your credibility would be shot if that happened. Yeah, and keep in mind that he's very likely to come back. So, again, this idea that Renzi has gone, you know, Italy is not, I don't know, the UK. You don't just lose an election and you are gone. You lose an election, you are gone for six months, Mm. for a year. You can see plenty of examples. I mean, Berlusconi was the most obvious one of somebody who would never give up. But apart from that, going back to your question, why did he make this promise? Renzi kind of uh, sold himself as a candidate who could introduce major changes. And I think he genuinely believes that some constitutional changes uh, would be helpful uh, for a number of reasons. So uh, he basically said, either I'm able to bring about change or I'm not doing my job properly. Mm. But also you have to keep in mind what I mentioned very briefly at the beginning. Uh, when he uh, said that, he was feeli- feeling pretty uh, safe because uh, Renzi was the only major leader, uh, and certainly I think the only leader in government, uh, to do extremely well in the European elections of 2014. Now obviously you know better than me that second order elections are not uh, national elections, but... Mm. He did very well. I mean, the, the Partito Democratico gained about 40 percent of the vote. Of course, the, the turnout was much lower than in national elections, but 40 percent of the vote was a huge success. So Renzi for a period felt pretty strong. But we know, you know, the honeymoon doesn't last for very long. And and in this case, uh, as it often happens, uh, he, uh, he didn't last for more than a few months. Uh, and then I'll go back to what I said before, at least in my view, and this is just my interpretation, uh, it should have focused much more on the issues that really matter. In Italy, the economy uh, has grown uh, by, by, by a tiny percentage when it has grown at all in the last few years. There is it's a huge problem with youth unemployment, um, which uh, you, you can see in, 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 in the electoral data. I mean, who is voting for the Five Star Movement? And why is it that Five Star Movement came out as a movement that you know, w- was so focused on using the Internet as a way mm-hmm. of communicating? Because they were focusing on young people and young people w- were voting for them. So it's a, a huge generational uh, mm. kind of revolt
0: I mean this might be a good time to ask uh, uh, the, qu- the question about the five star movement and who they who they are exactly like wh- in the in the shorthand of uh, international press coverage the summary you tend to get is that their their leader is a guy who used to be a comedian um, what we're supposed to make of that I don't know if the press are trying to make it seem like he must be a joker because he's I mean I see most politicians had a previous job but he seems pretty serious at least to me at this point um, He seems to be at the head of a a wide ranging band of confederates who have in common the desire to tear up the usual rules of by which politics is played mm-hmm. and that puts them somewhat in common with a variety of other movements who within their different cultural national contexts are also selling themselves wanting to tear up the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. How do you within the Italian context read the five-star movement? Who, who are their constituency and mm. what is it that you think they would or want to do with any power that should come that way?
1: Well um, first of all, yes, you're right in, in, the, in the foreign press they always talk about Grillo being a comedian and that's very unfair, of course he, he was, a com- and he still is a comedian but uh, he's a kind of comedian who's always been very committed to political change, he was thrown up from the state broadcaster because of what you said of the Socialist Party in the 1980s, mm. so he's not you know, somebody who was kind of making jokes about family life here. You have somebody who's been focusing on issues such as uh, the way we produce things, green issues, for decades, Mm. number one. Um, Number two, uh, to understand the success of the Five Star Movement, you're to understand how um, detached the Italian public is from its political class and how much this has kind of uh, fostered the success of Berlusconi first and then the Five Star Movement. And at the same time, throughout the last three decades, also the Lega Nord in, in the north of Italy. So there is a, a, a sense that the political class are in, in it for themselves, um, and that uh, ordinary Italians have been kind of crushed uh, for, for many decades. And there are many reasons to think that. Uh, so first of all, it's certainly an anti-corruption, uh, anti-political establishment movement. Second, as you mentioned, there are people who have have ended up in in the Five Star Movement who come from very different places. And even if you travel through Italy, the Five Star Movement in Turin is completely different from the Five Star Movement in Bologna. So you have a majority of left-wingers who have ended up uh, in in this movement, but there are also a considerable amount of right-wingers. So now, in my view, this is a key problem. And you can see that also at the local level. I mean, uh, uh, how badly it is going in Rome, for instance, which which is being ruled uh, by the Five Star Movement. Badly
0: in the sense that they're not competent or badly in the sense that they're very competently doing bad things?
1: <laughs> no, they, they are a new party, so let's leave aside the ideology. They are a new party and first and foremost uh, they, they are finding out how difficult it is to rule a, 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 such a complex city as, as Rome uh, and a city that has such huge problems as, as Rome. But what I'm suggesting is that their lack of a clear kind of uh, ideological uh, inspiration, if you want to, the, the classic one, left wing, right wing, uh, does cause problems. Because uh, on the one end there is Grillo talking about uh, a, a tougher approach to immigration, for instance, which is obviously trying to kind of uh, attract uh, right wing voters. And on the other hand, there is a majority of people within the movement being very critical of this talk of of kind of law and order. Uh, On the one hand, there is Grillo talking about uh, looking after the interests of small businesses. On the other hand, there are a lot of people in the movement who are bought into the narrative about uh, an alternative kind of economic development, green issues. And yes, I mean, they are not against most businesses, but they are much more kind of focused on, on the idea of, of, of creating a different kind of society. So what I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, to, to an extent, this is an extremely interesting uh, movement uh, because it's trying to kind of create a new fusion of ideas. But it still lacks a clear identity apart from the 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 obvious one of of, as you said i mean trying to uh, hammer the italian political establishment Mm. but apart from that what is it that they want to achieve i mean they want to uh, achieve more direct democracy uh, find new ways also through using new technologies to empower people fine but then in terms of for instance their, their proposals for the economy uh, you hear very kind of contradictory things, and, and that is the issue.
0: Mm. Within the UK, within France, in a variety of places, there has been, I suppose, a, an upsurge of ethno nationalist mm. sentiment that's kind of uh, culturally nostalgic, mm. anti immigrant. Mm. Um, has very dubious views on issues of race and gender and often that's quite bound up with euro skeptic anti-eu kind of views are those forces powerful in italy right now as well
1: yes they are the only thing i would say is that there is nothing new about this um there is a lot of talking in in the press about kind of the rise of right-wing populism but uh, the first uh, Government led by Berlusconi, which included the uh, Lega Nord, was in 1994. I mean, the first time the FPO in Austria took part in a coalition government was the year 2000. And the first time Pin uh but not him actually, because he had been shot just a few weeks before the election, but his, his list, the Pin list, got into government in the Netherlands. Um, uh, on a platform which was, among other things, very critical of, of Muslim communities, was 2002. So all of this to say, uh, in my view, it's not new. Uh, the reason why perhaps people talk about it a bit more is, is obviously the, the, the aftershocks of the Brexit referendum and, and the victory of Trump in the elections. But there isn't much that is new here. In, in Italy, these kind of discourses uh, have been popular for a long time. I mean. Um, one of the kind of key messages of Bosse's Lega Nord already in the 80s was this idea that northern Italians had to become masters in their own homes, as he used to say, once again, which reminds you of, of the slogan of, of the Brexiteers, you mm. know, take back, take back control, control or, all, or you know, make,
0: make America great again. Or make,
1: so it, it was this idea of, of, you know, southern Italians first in the 80s and then in the 90s Africans are coming here the North, in that case, the North of Italy, and um, we have to kind of defend our community, not just in sense of defending what belongs to us, but also defending our values, our identity. Um, uh, th- there isn't much new in that, as I said, uh, except that perhaps uh, some of the things that have happened in two thousand and sixteen have underlined how urgent it is mm-hmm. for the left and also liberals in the centre address some of the problems that are making these parties uh do well
0: and i mean perhaps a little casually most british people i think would tend to assume that italy is an overwhelmingly pro-eu pro-european mm. country is is th- is there anything resembling the british euro skeptic movement there
1: it's actually very interesting what you say because until recently italy was a very uh Europhile country um there was never any debate about the fact that, you know, the EU had to integrate also politically. Um, Nobody opposed the idea of entering the euro. Uh, When Prodi brought Italy into the euro in uh, 1996, he was Mm. even able to impose an additional tax, which was called the tax on Europe, to bring italy into the euro now think uh, uh, who think g- would... g- good luck with that <laughs> yeah. in several other european <laughs> no, countries i mean think of britain say. right think, <laughs> think if I anybody think... in britain would have said okay th- not not only we are joining the euro but yeah. we are going to impose an additional tax which is going to be called the tax uh, i mean euro.
0: where we are in the uk if the <laughs> eu was paying us i suspect yes. that wouldn't be sufficient <laughs> to keep them in
1: so so <laughs> what I, what i mean is i mean if you look at the uh, 1990s it was you know, total agreement. The music changed after the introduction of the Euro. Uh, Berlusconi, uh, who, let's, let's uh, remember, has been the Prime Minister for eight or, or of, of ten years between 2001 and 2011, um, he was very good at blaming the Euro for the failures of his own governments to address Italy's economic problems. And the music really changed that, I mean, and, 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 and the Lega Nord was part of that coalition, and there was a lot of talk back then of the Euro being a failure. Um, so at the moment, uh, very rapidly, you know, a lot of Italians have changed their approach to Europe. I would say they are much more critical of the Euro, of the idea of European integration. And even when it comes to the Euro, I read in the newspapers, all these people talking about the Five Star Movement calling a referendum on the Euro. Again, we don't have to uh, kind of misunderstand what's going on here. It's a a very powerful rhetorical weapon to say, let's call a referendum on the Euro. But let's keep in mind that according to the Italian constitution, you cannot call referendums on on international treaties. So the Mm -hmm. Five Star Movement, even if they get in government, would have to change the constitution first. Hmm. Right. So let's keep that into perspective. But having said that, there is now opposition to the euro and it is spreading. Um, so the music has changed considerably. Mm. And as regards Matteo
0: Renzi himself, um, you know, in, in much of Europe, parties of the center left and leaders of them are you know, dead in the water. And mm. in, in the in the UK, in France, yeah, the, the future and in Germany, the future looks bleak as far as the eye can see. You're, from what I think I know, more confident than the international reporting would suggest one should be that Matteo Renzi may, may recover relatively quickly from, yes. from this misstep. He and his party may well be back. I mean, he's oh, he's yeah. already still well, in government, he's, he's yeah. put someone, he's put an ally in his old job as Prime Minister, essentially, and presumably hopes to find his way back into it before long.
1: It's very possible. I mean, he remains the leader of the Democratic Party and in Italy, party leaders supporting a government are much more important than the Prime Minister and much more powerful. And if you look at the history of Italy, that's always been the case. And that's the reason why the system has been stable, despite what the press says. The system has been stable, even if prime ministers were changing every six months under the Christian Democrats, because the Christian Democrats were in power and they've been in power 45 years. Mm. So what, what I mean is, is you know, in some countries, the prime minister is not really such an all-powerful figure. Italy is one of them. So he remains the leader of the Partito Democratico, Democratic Party. And uh, my guess is that uh, the referendum will be forgotten in a month or two. Let's say three months, but but, uh, today a major investigation has been opened into the um, Five Star Movement uh, administration in Rome, just started a few hours ago. That could have much more serious consequences than the result of the referendum. Because if you look at polling data, the support for the Five Star Movement has hardly changed after this, the referendum. Mm. It's gone up about 1%, well within the margin of error. There has been no huge shift. So people who have voted no, as I said, for different reasons. Some wanted to uh, get rid of the but many others were critical of the reform. They haven't then moved in droves to the Five Star Movement. Some of them would, uh, anyway, vo- uh, would have voted for the Five Star Movement, others have remained in the PD, because many people from the PD have voted no. Mm. So what I'm saying is there hasn't been a a huge shift. And uh, what is important is what happens in the the months leading to the next election, which might happen relatively quickly, Uh, I don't know, nobody knows, because they need to change the electoral legislation first. And uh, what Renzi will do, in my view, let's see, is to repackage himself and uh, wait a little bit and then and then come up with some new ideas and that's perfectly feasible there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that berlusconi did that three times Mm. Prodi managed to beat berlusconi twice
0: italian politics is the land of reinvention
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely totally good well I think we've set the
0: world to rights uh, thank you very much for listening you can follow the Political Worldview podcast on Twitter at Poll Worldview and please do please also subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes leave us a rating or a comment which helps others discover the pod and you can come on our show page on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Poll where you can see links to the show and articles etc tell people about us on social media that's how people people find out about cool stuff uh, our participant today has been Daniele Albertazzi uh, where can people find you on social media if they're
1: so inclined daniele uh they can find me on my facebook page for instance and i'm going the next few days to open a twitter account as well i'm a bit <laughs> behind with well, it. watch watch <laughs> this
0: space <laughs> listeners but start off with start off with facebook um and that's uh albert Tazzi. spell your name for them in case they want to look for you
1: a l b e r t a double z i
0: Okay, I think I've gone with two different pronunciations in the course of the podcast, so uh, you can you can Daniel Albertazzi. Oh, you got, got that hard double <laughs> Z. Okay, that's what I needed to know. I'm Adam Quinn. Adam Quinn 161 on Facebook if you want to narrow down the search. It's me leaning backwards with Lyndon Johnson leaning in. Uh, if you want to spot the photograph, I'm also on Twitter at Adam James Quinn. Our producer is Connor McKenna, and you've been listening to us from the Pulses Department at the University of Birmingham in England. Uh, we'll be back after Christmas and New Year, so look forward to speaking to you then. We certainly hope you'll still. be be here with us. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.